Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. And so our first slide here is the, the pathway to faith. I want us to think about our pathway to faith. We, we're all on a journey, amen? And we need to be uh, really pursuing uh, faith, but we need to also really be sure we're pursuing the Lord. And I have a whole wide range of things I want to talk about this morning, but I want to kind of bring all of that in. And by the time we're done, hope, hopefully we're down to one point that I really want you to go home with this morning. Uh, you know, Jesus challenged his disciples on several occasions by saying, where is your faith? Where's your faith? That's, that's a good thing to ask. And sometimes we've misplaced our faith. Amen. Sometimes it's been displaced. You know, things will happen in your life and you might misplace your faith. And it's like you're kind of looking around for it. What what I do with that? I know I had it at one time, but I've been through some stuff and I've taken a hit in the area of my faith. We've kind of talked about that. And sometimes your faith is displaced. The devil comes against you and he does everything he can to try to knock you off the pathway to faith. And it's our responsibility to, to build our faith because we've all been given a measure of faith. We've all been given, I love this that I saw on the internet one time, I have mustard seed and I'm not afraid to use it. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, we've all been given a measure of faith and it's our responsibility to take that seed that's been given to us and to grow it. it I can't grow your faith for you. You can't grow my faith for me. It's your responsibility. You've been handed this seed. So then, it's your responsibility to make sure you're planting that seed in good soil and that you're nurturing that, that you're watering it, that you're doing everything you need to do, keeping the weeds out and making sure that your faith is growing all the time. And it's a daily chore. We need to be growing our faith each and every day. In Hebrews 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's one uh, translation that says that faith or that hope is the blueprint for faith. Hope is the blueprint for faith. So are you hopeful about things? You need to make sure you're keeping yourself in an environment of hope. You can surround yourself with a bunch of people who do nothing but speak negativity. You can watch the democratic argument and be uh, what? in despair over watching some of that stuff and you can destroy your faith you need to be be sure that you're you have a blueprint you have hope in front of you all the time the hope of the gospel should give all of us faith in where we're headed so nurture everything that god has given to you in romans 10 and verse 17 it says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Once again, it's your responsibility to make sure you're hearing the Word of faith. I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm trying to, I try to keep in the Word as much as I can. I try to uh, flush out the negativity. I want the Word of God coming in as much as I can. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Why is that? I wasn't really going to go here, but uh, I rem- remember whenever... Uh, Brittany, I think I've told this before, but I want to tell this again. Whenever our daughter was uh, going into the third grade, she was having difficulty reading. And the reason she was having difficulty reading is because she couldn't track. 
And so they sent her, to, we, we took her to a specialist, an eye, eye doctor specialist. And he put her into some exercises to where he retrained her to track. And the, the uh, teacher there, Mrs. Riggs, I'm just so thankful for her. She's the one who got us onto this because uh, from that point on, whenever Brittany began to be able to track once again, then she was able to, to pick up on reading. And she said that from the first grade until the third grade, you're learning to read. From the third grade on, you are reading to learn. And she said what happens is, is if they don't, if they're not able to read out loud, they do not progress as quickly in their reading. Why is that? Because faith comes by hearing. Whenever a person, whenever a third grader hears themselves read, it builds up their confidence. It's the same way with you and me. Whenever we hear the word of God coming from our inner self, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, faith rises. When the word is going in, the word's going to come out. Amen? Whatever you put in is going to come out. And so build your faith by hearing the word. Get yourself in front of the word all that you can. Hallelujah. Uh, the, the devil is doing everything he can to knock you off of your path. He's going to, as you're making your way someplace, he's going to do everything he can to knock you off your path. So let's say Pastor Josh here has to go to the, to the restroom. Okay? Yeah. So you, you stand up here and you're going to start heading to the restroom. But I'm going to do everything I can. And I'm going to knock you. No, I know you. Which way are you going to go? You're going to go? Yeah. That's what you got to do. Okay, so I'm, I'm the devil, and I'm going to try to distract. Hey, did you see, you see that real pretty gal over there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there, there she is. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm trying to distract you from your marriage. Yeah. Whatever it takes, I try to, the devil tries to distract you from where you're heading. And you get back here, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to go that way. I'm going to try and knock you off to go a different path. Amen? Okay. So while that is taking place, the devil's distracting you from where you know you need to go. What happens if I distract you long enough and you need to go to the bathroom? You're going to make a mess of stuff, right? <laughs> Doesn't the same thing happen in real life? We get distracted enough from going on the path of faith that we begin to make a mess of things. And we have to make sure that we're staying on course. Hallelujah. I want to stay on the pathway to faith. And we're going to drive home to their path. In Genesis 2, 8, it says this, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, do you notice here it says, The Lord God, the Lord God. In Genesis chapter 2, uh, the writer uh, put in the Lord God 11 times just in this chapter alone. The Lord God. He's making specifically known the Lord God. The Lord is God, and God is the Lord. It means that he's higher than everything. He's Elohim. He's Adonai. He's the great I Am. He's the one and only. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the only true and living God. He is the Lord God. And here's what the devil does. He comes along, and he's going to try to knock Adam and Eve off of their path. And so... As he, let's look into chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He's very cunning. 
He's not wise, but he's cunning. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Do you notice he did not say, after it's been repeated time and time again, the Lord God, the devil comes back and he says, Did God? Now you know in the Hebrew, whenever they wrote, they didn't have capital letters. There weren't commas and, and question marks and all of that. So all, there, there was not a capital G in front of God. And so we know that the devil had no respect for God, so it would not have been a capital G. So he, what he did is he made the Lord God like a common God. Common and ordinary. And the devil tries to do the same thing in our lives. Whenever we get into a situation, he tries to reduce who the Almighty God is in your situation. He tries to exalt the situation above God. And there is no situation above God, but the devil comes and comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he tries to get you in your mind to where you make your problem so big and God becomes small. Never allow the problem to be bigger than God. He is the most high God. He's the only true and living God. Amen? So you, you, it's your responsibility and my responsibility in my life to make sure that we keep God exalted on high. And the moment you start getting into fear and doubt and unbelief, you begin to minimize who God is in that situation. He is not truly minimized, but he is min you have minimized him in your situation. So keep your faith strong so he is not minimized in any situation of your life. Hallelujah. He does everything he can to try to make God look ordinary. Tries to minimize him. Now let's go back to Genesis 2 verse 8 and 9. It says the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight. And good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now you know at the end of every day of creation. God looked around at what he had made for that day. And he said it is good. It is very good. So as we look at these trees. We have the tree of life. And we have the tree of good and evil. I think that this is the way people look at this sometimes. We look at this as. Yes, the tree of life is, gr is great. But here we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree of knowledge of good and evil is not a good tree and a bad tree. It doesn't have good fruit and bad fruit. They're both, this, this is good. good. The knowledge of good and evil is actually good when you take it from God's perspective. But what he tries to do is, and what he did with Adam and Eve is he caused them to sin. He called them, caused them to disobey God's command to not eat of that good tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think many people think, well, Adam and Eve had no knowledge of good and evil. That's correct. And that God always wanted them to remain not having the knowledge of good and evil. But that's really not true. He wants us to know the knowledge of good and evil, but from the redeemed perspective, from the saved side of things, not from the fallen man side of things, because the good and evil from the fallen man side of things is totally different than good and evil from the good side of things. Stay with me here. 
in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, it wasn't because that was a bad tree that he didn't want him to eat of it. He was giving Adam and Eve a choice. Aren't you glad you have a choice? Sometimes I wish we didn't. But God gave us a choice. He put this choice before them. And how wonderful it would have been if they had stayed faithful to God's word. And they had stayed uh, obedient to what he had said. They would have had a beautiful perspective and a right perspective of good and evil. So, I spent a lot of time this week really trying to, to study this particular verse out, verse 22. Let's go to that once again, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And I've studied this extensively this week because I wanted to make sure that I had this right because the scripture that we, that we have here has really been translated wrong. And anytime you find a wrong translation, uh, it gets a little questionable sometimes. But this is a portion of Scripture. This is a verse that has been uh, mistranslated. The proper translation for this verse should have been this. Then the Lord God said, Behold the man who was like us. Does that make sense? And the Lord God said, The man who was like one of us to know good and evil. Now let's think about that for a moment. It's not that, how is it originally? Then behold, the man has become like one of us. It's not that, because what does it say in Genesis uh, 1? It says, God said, God created man in his image, amen? So if we're created in his image, it wouldn't be that whenever Adam and Eve sinned that we became like him. That can't be right. In fact, it's just the opposite. When, we, when Adam and Eve sinned, they came to the point where they were no more like God. Because God is sinless. Amen? Are you sticking with me? Are you out there this morning? Are you awake? Are you, bringing, are you taking his in? This is good stuff. You need to know this. We were created in the image of God and we were like him. And in that state, we could have learned good and evil from the purity side. But when Adam and Eve fell, it's, it's, the proper translation should be, behold the man. It's not behold, comma, the man. It's behold the man who was like one of us, who was like one of us pure and holy and righteous. That's, who, that's how we were created. Then, in that state, we would have known good and evil the way that God had intended. Other than properly uh, translating that verse, uh, we know, from, like I said in Genesis 1, that we were created in the image of God. So, sinning by being disobedient to God's command isn't what made them like one of us. It's what made us no longer like him. So eating from the tree 
of the knowledge of good and evil definitely changed the man and the woman, but it didn't change them to be like God. It changed them from being like God. Do you understand that? Hallelujah. So, God wants us to know good and evil from the obedient, sinless perspective. Now, this is all going to tie into faith here. Just hang on with me. Too much of a, you said something about too much of a good thing this morning, Amber, but you know, too much of a good thing from God is divine. Amen? I like that too much of a good thing from God. So, from God's side, too much of a good thing is really good. But from the sinful side, too much of a good thing is bad. Try having three pieces of chocolate mousse three times a day with ice cream and see where that gets you in about 40 years or less. Some of you would like to try it, right? Righteous goodness is good all the way through. Ungodly goodness is the enemy to greatness. See, that's the different side from the sinless side to the righteous side. Now, what do you mean ungodly goodness? You know, there is an ungodly goodness. How many good people do you know who are going to go to hell? If they don't have Jesus Christ in their life, there's a whole lot of good people who are going to go to hell. And that is one of the tactics of the devil is he'll put good into your life and it battles against the thing that's the greatest. Don't just be a good person. I don't want that on my tombstone. He was a good man. That's the last thing I want. I want to use a godly man. Good can be evil. And so from the righteous side of good and evil, there's, there's good things to reap out of that, even out of the evil stuff. How much, how much evil stuff is going on that you just wish you had the right perspective on what is going on? got two granddaughters here on the front row and they get in an argument and they come to me and they're telling me that she did this and no, I, she didn't do that. I, I did this and, and back and forth. And you wonder, who's telling the truth? Don't you wish you had the beautiful insight into who's telling the truth and who's not? How about out here in society where whatever's going on in politics, man, I just wish I could see through all this garbage and see what is truth. From good and evil, from the righteous side of things is exactly what that does for you. It allows you to have insight into the things of God, whether it's good or whether it's evil, we see it from His standpoint. Hallelujah. And that should build our faith. What we battle against is seeing good and evil from our fallen man point of view. And that's where we have to muddle through stuff and try to figure things out and try to get God to come in and clarify it for us. And it's a real battle from that side of things. But God wanted Adam and Eve and all of us to have seen his perfect way, even in good and evil from a redeemed side of things. That's called a biblical worldview. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Genesis 3, verse 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold the man who was like one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden excuse me, to till the ground from which he had, was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden 
and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now here's what I think took place here. This isn't scripture. I know I'm just kind of reading in between the lines, so we have to be careful here. I'm not adding to scripture, but this is just my own opinion. Take it or leave it. I'm just projecting a thought here. As soon as God finished telling Adam and Eve that they could eat from any tree except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I believe that they started out immediately heading for the tree of life. That's my thought. I mean, if I was in the garden and you look around, what would you think would be the most beautiful, the most inviting tree in the entire garden? Wouldn't you think it would be the tree of life? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. I don't know about you, but that's very, very enticing to me. I want life and I want to have it more abundantly. So I believe that as soon as God said you can eat of any tree except that one, that they started heading for that tree of life. But on the pathway there, the devil saw what was going to happen. And he began to try to knock them off that path. So he sent a serpent. He sent a serpent to come and to tempt them. And he said, oh, now you don't want to look at that tree. He said, now did God really say that you couldn't take part of this tree over here? I mean, look at it. They were being enticed. They were being uh, tried by what God had said into their life. Don't go there. Go over here. You and I face that every day of our life, don't we? There's two trees in every situation of your life. There's always going to be two trees. Are you going to go to the one towards life? Or are you going to go towards the one that is going to bring you down? You have that choice in about every situation of life. So he didn't want them uh, going to the tree of life. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God said and what God did, he cast them out of the garden so that they could not eat of the tree of good and evil, or of a tree of life. He cast them out of the garden. I'm so glad that God cast them out of the garden so that after they had fallen, they could not then take place, take part of the tree of life. I'm so glad that that happened. Because what would have happened if they had taken part of the tree of good and evil that they weren't supposed to take up and then they had taken part of the tree of life they would have been in eternal damnation because they had taken part of that other tree after but aren't you glad that God created another tree of life the tree of Calvary hallelujah man I tell you I'm so thankful for the tree of life of Calvary Jesus said I'll be high and lifted up. And that's exactly what he, what he did. The tree of Calvary gave us, restored back to us, life everlasting. Hallelujah. It all wraps together. Now, here's the pathway that we need to take. Obedience is the greatest form of worship. I'm taking you on a path here. Obedience is the greatest form of worship. If Adam and Eve had worshipped God and held the Lord God up where he belonged and worshipped him the way that they should have, they would have been obedient. You realize in our lives, whenever we are obedient to what God has called us to, whether it, it doesn't make any difference what it is, 
doesn't matter how simple it is. It doesn't matter how drastic it is. If we are obedient to him, that is the greatest form of worship. The next one. Worship is the greatest expression of love. There's other expressions of love, but worship is your greatest expression of love. If you're being obedient, that is the greatest form of worship that you'll ever be able to attain. Then worship is the greatest form of love. Whenever you and I learn how to just open ourselves up and receive him in and then bless him and give him all the praise that only a true and living God deserves. Oh my goodness, we're expressing our love. Yes, there's other ways to express love, but worship is the greatest way. The next one is this, love is the greatest motivator for faith. Love is, I'm taking you on a path here, are you with me? We're on a path. Obedience is the greatest form of worship. Worship is the greatest expression of love. Love is the greatest motivator for faith. Now, there's other motivators for faith. Fear is a motivator, amen? How many of you were uh, fearful in school? I remember my third grade teacher, Mrs. Throckmorton. Man, I'll tell you what, I scared to death of that gal. And she, she carried one of those, you know, 12-inch rulers, and she would smack you on the knuckles with it. And I was scared to death of Mrs. Throckmorton. And fear motivated me to at least straighten up a little bit. Uh, love is the greatest motivator. You know, love, well, fear has motivated some people to receive Jesus Christ. And that's a good thing. But love's a better, better motivator. I, I tell you, I, I love the Lord. I love what lies ahead for us. Fear is a good motivator. I don't want to go to hell. So I'm fearful enough of that to receive Christ as my Savior so that I can go to heaven. But man, the reward that we have coming from heaven, that's love. And that's a greater motivator. Hallelujah. So obedience is the greatest form of worship. Worship is the greatest expression of love. Love is the greatest motivator for faith. So then we have the next one. Therefore, love for the Father is the foundation for faith in the Father. Now this and my next two statements are what I, what I want you to go home with this morning. Love for the Father is the foundation for faith in the Father. If we don't, if we only try to grow our faith without have, having love for the Father, you're only going to go so far. It's very limiting to try to build your faith without building your love. Are you with me? Are you out there? Man, you're a quiet bunch this morning. If you are only going to develop your faith, you're only going to go so far. Because it, it really takes the love for the Father to carry you all the way through certain situations. There's times I can look around here and see many of you who have been some, through some pretty tough trials. And I'll tell you what, you can lose your love for the Lord if the battles keep going on and on and on and you're not seeing victories. But never, never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 never give up on your love for God. If you're struggling in your faith, here's what I suggest you do. Don't work so much on your faith. Work on your love for God. As you build your love for the Father, and you, you I, I, God, it doesn't matter 
what I've experienced. It doesn't matter what I've not experienced. It doesn't matter what I've received. It doesn't matter what I've not received. I love you regardless. You are the only true and living God. You and you alone shall I serve. I love you with all my heart. And sometimes you have to convince yourself of that. But you must be a person who I am going to fall in love with the Father. And then your faith is able to continue to grow. If you only work on your faith without working on your love, it won't last forever. Now, these next two statements really go along with what I just said. Developing your faith in God without developing your love for God is limiting. The next one is develop your love for God and your faith in God will naturally grow. Amen? Amen. Developing your faith in God. Developing your love in God. In uh, Psalm 17 and verse 8 says this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wing. Do you feel the, the heart of David? What he's saying here. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Man, David had been through some stuff. He had made some pretty major mistakes. But even in those mistakes. In Psalm 51. After uh, doing two terrible things, he uh, had an affair with Bathsheba. And then even worse, he had her husband killed. And in, in chapter 51 of Psalms, he said, God against you and you alone have I sinned. What? He did some terrible things to a couple of people. But he said, God, to you, it was to you. If I hadn't have sinned against you, I wouldn't have sinned against them. But man, the heart of David, keep me as the apple of your eye. Praise the Lord. In Psalm 103, verse 7, it says this. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. I love this verse. Think about this. What's this saying? He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. You see, the Israelites, they didn't want to have God face to face. They said, Moses, you go up on the mountain and you meet with God and you can see the burning bush and you can see all that stuff, but then you come back down and you tell us what he had to say. We don't want him face to face. But they got to experience the acts of God because of Moses. Moses got to know the ways of God. That's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be a person, man, I know God so intimately that I know his ways. And when I know his ways and I'm loving him deeply, then I'm going to see the acts of God. Does all that make sense? You see, if we just continue trying to build our faith, how many times have you been in a situation where you're trying to muster up your faith? That is no place to be. Fall in love with Jesus Christ, and your faith will grow. Let's stand. Good being back in front of you this morning. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for this word this morning. I would pray that uh, in my attempt that you would take what's been said and that you would <coughs> drive home in each and every individual heart the love that we need to have for you. You have done such great and marvelous things. You have redeemed us from the curse you have caused goodness and grace and mercy to be ours 
And I bless you for that, Lord. You are such a good, good Father. We bless you for that, Lord. Grow our faith. But Lord, even more so, grow our intimacy with you. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name.